Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which the upcoming match is being played. We would also like to pay our respects to elders past and present. It's about to blow your mind. It's coming around like a shockwave. Dick eyes the big sticks and puts Collingwood back in front. They just cannot be killed. Bontepelli beats it out. North the open goal that Oaks have four. They're white hot. Who runs inside 50, has a bounce, puts the Jets on and hook kicks the goal. The Rosie step through the pack, open the play up superbly, kicks for the unguarded goal. Connor Rosie with a signature moment. It's coming Don't back. Tell me. It's an unbelievable goal. You cannot script it. And past the McCluggage, had a bounce, got to 50, went hard and low and straight to goal. The Lions have kicked five in a row. The ball is his. The moment arrives. Elliot kicks the goal. Welcome to AFL Nation. The season is off to a somewhat odd start. What an opening night. 88,000 at the MCG and no one quite knew how to feel as they left. And we dissect a draw in the aftermath and try to figure out who was on the winning and the losing side of it. That was the entree. Tonight in round one feels like the main course. Two of the heavyweights, two of the teams who will lay great claim to the title this year. They convene after last we saw them in a qualifying final, a breathless qualifying final. Geelong and Collingwood. The Cats looking for back-to-back premierships. Collingwood, heartbreak in a preliminary final. Sometimes that's the best school to then graduate to the real thing one year on. Jared Waitley with you on AFL Nation, our first Friday night of the year. And I'm thrilled to introduce you to our team. I could tell you about two Hall of Famers or two media icons who have done so much together. But maybe it's enough to say there are few who love the game quite like Dwayne Russell. No one cares for the game quite like Jared Healy. And you could count on one hand the number of players who played with such joy as Brad Johnson. And so I feel blessed and hopefully you will too over the course of this season to spend our Friday nights together. Jared Healy, good evening. Jared, it's great to be here. Let me uh, say, I just loved last night, even though I hated it. I couldn't believe how many skill errors there were. Uh, couldn't believe uh, the circuitous debates that continue about round one. Should Carlton and Richmond uh, have the right to play off? Well, I think they should. They uh, do it well every year. And should there be a playoff after a draw, Jono? Uh, sorry, uh, Jared. It's uh, They go round and round in circles, but we're off and running. And uh, it was a pretty good game. I mean, it was a strange game, a scrappy game, a fumbly game, but uh, it was a close game. And I reckon uh, my wife, Lisa, was about the only person who tipped the winner, a draw. <laughs> Brad Johnson, welcome to AFL Nation. Thank you, Jared. It's good evening, everybody. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's great to be at the MCG. You get that buzz, don't you? You, you, you drive in and it's, uh, it's, it feels game on. 
And although last night was was excellent to sort of sit back and and just watch it and see how both sides would were prepared for for season twenty three. Although, as you said, Jared, it was a, it was it was slippery at ground level. It was it was very much a, a fumbly game, but it still had the excitement at the at the very end of it. And am I a fan of the draw? No, I've never ever yeah. been a fan of the fan of the draw. I've always been a, a guy that wanted a result at the uh, at the end of the night, even when I was when I was playing. But but it's just the reality of what we, we deal with. Seeing the the end and round one, game one, and you've got both teams walking off, just not knowing how to how to deal, how to react. You've got one team who had, you know, Cripps and, and his interview was was a bit flattening, where the other side, Jack Rewalt, was actually a little bit up and about with yep. um with the way that he was because they come from behind to to secure the draw. It would have been interesting to run an exit poll on 88,000 as they drifted away and point. 46 players. But Dwayne Russell gets to do that every day. <laughs> Hello to you, Dwayne. Well, Jared's been in Talkback Radio for 30 years. If he's tired of a debate that's been going for 30 years, Jared, um, have you changed your mind in the 30 years? Have you ever sort of felt one way and the other? Because the draw has been a debate for a long, long Hasn't time. It? Well, I was at one stage, Dwayne, we had three ways to determine mm. the draw. Mm. We had an extra game for the grand final. We had extra time for anything else. Uh, and, and actually, we had an extra game for semi-finals. Remember the Collingwood, mm. uh, the Collingwood West Coast redraw, which uh, some argue cost Essendon the flag, but uh, nevertheless. And then we had the draw, which is a result. And I've always been for extra time to get a result, but uh, the reality is as long as we don't replay the grand final, I think that has to be decided mm. on the day. Yep. So I've changed that. a bit. I, I thought extra time for a long time, and yet last night I felt that was right. I just <laughs> felt like it was a footy thing. The draw seems, it just seemed right to me. I know that if you asked everyone on the way out, would they like extra time, they probably would have loved it for the spectacle. But if you'd have asked them after their team lost, I reckon you would have heard them all say, yeah, take the I would two have points. stuck with the draw, yeah, thank that, you. That's fair call, but I've, like I said, I've always been one that mm. has wanted the, uh, the result, the four points, and that's, what it, uh, that's just the way it sits with myself. I remember sitting next to a couple of people who flew, fl- had flown in from Sydney when Collingwood and St Kilda had the draw, and they were looking at me and saying, well, when's the extra time? Yes. They couldn't believe <laughs> that, we weren't, that they had to come back next week if they were to see the result, which, which obviously... Uh, Happened, and I think that was the end of it. It was such a flat game, unless you're a Collingwood supporter, that uh, I think that was the end of it, and we uh, we worked out we're going to go extra time. So, what does extra time look like to you, Jared? Is is it a, a golden point scenario, no, or no. is it a five minutes it's each five way? Five minutes each way. Yeah. So, I've always been a stoic defender of the draw. Mm. Last night is the first night when the final siren rang at a draw. I thought, oh, I, I would have, I could have gone ten more minutes to yeah. figure it out. First time I've ever had the just the emotional. So you changed your Isn't opinion it, over no, time as well. Uh, I you had have it. now. I, if you'd said to me coming last night, where are you going? No, I'm totally happy with draws. Is that, just, is that been, just stage of season, Jared? Then I don't because know. we're it was at just round something one. about it last night, mm. opening night, eighty-eight thousand. You go, mm. are we really leaving it at that? It's the first time it's ever struck me. Well, eighty-eight thousand ends the other debate, doesn't it? As well, Carlton Richmond. Does it end that debate? Do we always yeah. want eighty-eight thousand round one? Yeah. I mean, it could be. We might get eighty-five thousand tonight, but it seems like we want a big blockbuster with a full house almost every round one opener, don't we? Yeah, you have to have that pulsating atmosphere, and you are guaranteed it with Carlton and Richmond. And, and we it tested hasn't always it last been a great year. Game, we tested yeah. it with uh, the Wednesday night, which I love the opening on a Wednesday night. Yep. Disappointed in the crowd. I think it was 55-odd uh, thousand people, and that's what they're expecting on Saturday night or tomorrow night for the game. So, I mean, clearly, you know, they're not quite as big a clubs at the moment uh, or haven't got the drawing power as some of the other big ones in Melbourne. So tonight we back up 88 with maybe 89, maybe 90 uh, AFL Nation for Elders by your 
agchem at Elders to win a new ute. Well, Jono counted them on the way in. How many cars on the way in, Jono, from Geelong? <laughs> Let me tell you, that if the Geelong players are travelling in and they've had to sit in the car for two hours, I know a lot of Geelong players actually come up at lunchtime for that reason because then they have some lunch. They stick it to the ground four hours prior, but at least they don't have the stress of sitting down. For It took me two and a half to, to get here. I left Geelong at three and I drove in at wow. 5.30. So I know I'm not like you, Dwayne, and, you know, get through the traffic in a little bit uh, more well, aggressive I, no, I got, fashion. I, I went through City Road. So if you stay on, sometimes if you do stay on the main thoroughfare, as if you're going through the tunnel, it does take you longer because it depend, depends on where the accident is. Yeah, and so there was dep- no accident, though. That's the oh, problem right, tonight. Yeah, okay. Dwayne's <laughs> got the one issues. of those. You, you're probably too young to uh, remember the wacky races, Jono, but uh, <laughs> he's got one of those adaptions where he's, he's, his wheels just go up <laughs> and, and go he just goes straight over the top Professor of Professor Pat Pending, I think was the name of the guy, Jared, in wacky it? races. Professor Pat Pending. Pat Pending, that's exactly right. Alliteration, even all the way back there. What are we in for tonight? Is, uh, Dwayne, you had that great theory. Is the most important game of the weekend is the, team, the game your team is playing in? I think for the big picture. This is the one, though, the cats and the pies. Well, I reckon for the whole summer, I've heard a million times that uh, Geelong are the, sorry, Collingwood are the side that are going to slide because they happen to win a lot of close games. Well, I'm not a huge fan of that theory because they, they look to me to have improved and they may turn those close games into big wins. I'm a fan of Collingwood. I think, I, I think they've recruited really well. Um, Frampton, I'm not sure he's going to fill in that gap, but he's potentially going to fill the gap and they need to have someone down there. But Mitchell's a really good uh, improvement uh, for them around the contest, Jono, and that was one of their statistically one of their weaknesses last year. I think everyone understands that the go has got himself ready to go. There's a lot of young guys in the side that are going to get inherently better just because they're going to get better. We're going to find out early, and, and they're a watch for me, and I've said that from the outset, only because, not so much because of what happened last year in the close wins. That's just the way that the season panned out for the Pies, and good luck to them. Now they, they will challenge, have to challenge themselves against the top teams yep. in the competition. So they come from 17th to just missing out on a grand final. So they get the tougher draw. And they get a tougher draw now, and it's weighted, and we wait to see how they actually push through that. When you look at their lineup, it's strong. It's really and it's, strong. And, it, and there's not too many changes from, from last year. They've, 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 as you said, added Mitchell in there with strengths around the ball, McStay for structure up forward. Apart from that, mm. they're pretty similar to what they, they rolled out last year. So you'd think some of the young guys will, will grow within uh, another preseason under their belt. I was having a look at the games played. Uh, just sitting in the car waiting to come up. And the one that stands out is Scott Pendlebury. I mean, how good has this bloke been for Collingwood over the journey? He's uh, high 300s now. Um, I'm not sure he's going to play through the middle. They've got so many options for the middle, along with, you know, Chris, who's probably should have been in the All-Australian side last year, was uh, awfully stiff. Tom Mitchell, uh, Adams, Dacos now added to that. Pendlebury, just to name a few. Now, Pendlebury could go half back. Uh, and just spend time in there as he did in the prelim final against uh, Sydney last year, which was such an exciting uh, climax. But uh, they've got a powerful unit, and uh, they've still got great leadership, even though they've changed their captain. It's a it's a need base for Pendlebury on where he's required in where the side. Like if you, if the if they're struggling in the midfield, you know you can push him in yep. and run around the ball. Ideally, I think they'd love him love him to play it around that half back, even a wing slide back to support, because then his ball use and creativity yep. off half back is as good as anyone still in the competition. And I think he sets up Collingwood in a really strong way from that, gets himself free as well. And when he does kick it wide, you watch him float through the corridor, and then he's used in that that uh, as as an asset going through there to then use the ball inside forward fifty. I think he plays on his own terms a little bit within their structure. 
Well, they've got it. They've made one change. Will Will uh, Hoskin Elliott is evidently uh, going to play across that half back line. They've pushed him down from a high half forward or even uh, sometimes a wing. Which begs a question: Where does Noble play if uh, Pendlebury plays across that half back line? So there's there's a you know that's one of the uh, excitements of the opening bounce just to see where everybody lines up. And let's allow it to be known as skill when Elliott kicks a goal from the pocket. That's skill. That's not luck. That's just the greatness of a, a player being able to nail the moment. And playing on from defence when you know you can take the game on because that's your game plan, that's greatness of the coaching. That's not luck. That's because you've got a method that the coach has taught you that your players believe in that you put into practice. That's not luck. That's just good coaching and, and greatness of a footy club. One of Collingwood's great strengths last year, Dwayne, getting scores from the defensive 50. They run the... Uh they run it so well, and uh, everybody you could see last night is trying to catch up on Richmond of a fair few years ago now and catch up on Geelong, the premiers of last year, who went uh, 12 months ago to the slowest side going from D50 to forward 50 to almost the quicker side. You look at last night, though, it seemed like there was a full team defence back again. Yeah, you it, was, know. So it was therefore, a real flood, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was a real flood again, and therefore it made it a little bit more difficult. Maybe that was the structure of, of Richmond knowing that if they Carlton got the ball into the middle they would be able to get it to their keys in a lot more efficient uh, manner in better spots. So if we kept them wide and slow, it's going to be difficult for them to do that. You think the same tonight with Geelong in some ways, maybe because of the way Collingwood do play with that um, hectic sort of style through the middle of the ground, whether they will flood a full team's defence a little bit just to slow that ball movement down a little bit, make it a little bit more difficult for them. Do we want to see that? No, of course not. We, what we saw last year was was amazing. But getting a taste last night of seeing full team defence sliding again, yep. just sort of just raised the Sorry, eyebrows yeah, a little bit in terms yeah. of that, are we going to have a... a a restriction in scoring, which I hope we don't. And maybe it is just a case-by-case case by who you're playing in that particular week. The match-up, they played two remarkable matches last year. Yeah. An early season encounter where Geelong kicked seven goals to nil in the last quarter to storm home over the top and really give a glimpse of what they could be. And then a qualifying final, which you haven't had to go far this week to catch the moments mm. from. And there were so many signature moments in that game both ways. The last quarter where... Jordan Degoe was everything that he'd always promised and Gary Rowan had his career high moments and yep. Max Holmes, who we know what befell him. It was a, it was a qualifying final that, uh, that begged that they meet again in a grand final. It didn't happen. The Swans ensured that didn't happen. Uh, but the way the last Saturday panned out, it's sort of the unanswerable question is what would it have looked like if they'd met again? Well, if the early game showed what Geelong could do, I reckon the latter game showed what Collingwood could do. And I think that's where you, you're coming from. We're going to have, potentially have to wait till later in this season to see them match up again on a big game. But uh, lots of uh, lots of footy to get underway between now and then. But they, if you're a Collingwood supporter, I reckon you're coming. You're pretty excited and expecting to be right in it when the final siren uh, when the final siren goes, and you can well and truly be in front. Do you keep it with the structure then, Jared, in around the midfield for? For Collingwood, because you know they may add a Dacos in there, and and but is Dacos better for their for what they're trying to do, playing across a wing or or half back, or do you throw him in there just because, um, you know, of what he produced last season? I I think that's some questions that we're yep. we're looking to find out over the next next couple of weeks from a Collingwood perspective, because you're right, what they put on the park last year and their style and structure suited the players in in that position. Making those adjustments could actually affect. The way they uh, the way they perform. Will you be easy to be tagged on a half back line or as a mid? No, I think as a as a mid. 
as a mid because you can put that physical pressure in around the stoppage. I think when the ball's in, in motion all the time, I yep. think Dacos has got the smarts to actually get to the fall of the yep, ball first and, and read it from uh, read it from that that play. So, look, I think they will try him through the middle of the ground, but I think if he is, um, you know, continually getting sat on and tagged on a, on a weekly basis, then they may have to make that adjustment. I think the thing he's got in his favour tonight is Geelong don't sit on the opposition. No. They back their midfield in to go. So that may, that may allow him... Um, to do that, unless they decide to throw an O'Connor or someone in around the ball um, or make Atkins play a little bit more negatively. I think uh, one of the people that was, I guess, undersold last year because of his uh, younger brother's performance is Josh Davis. You got me cool. I, I thought you. his uh, effort on the wing last year was quite superb. I thought he finished up the year as probably the best wingman in the competition. Could well have uh, got an All-Australian jumper. He missed out. He was in the squad, but... He's, uh, his uh, upper reaches of his performance uh, are going to be pretty scary. I think he's very, very happy that all the attention's on his brother and he can just go about his business at, at, a, at a level that has grown rapidly over the last 12 months. You're exactly right, Jared. He, he could have been the All-Australian wingman and another year like that, and, and he certainly secures that spot. It's a bit of smoke billowing from the, yeah, I'm wondering from the that's tunnel a, at the city end. Is that a practice for Welcome to Country? Because they do sometimes do a little bit of the leaf burning. Is that... Yeah, no one seems particularly perturbed. No, they're not much running around, are they? sort of stir memories of a certain Friday night here all those years ago. <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, no, one, no one's even batted an eyelid. Gone away already. The cats are coming up with a smoke machine just to add a little bit of... Uh, Eddie would have done that if it was calling his home game back in the days of unveiling a new coach with a new sponsor's car. We will work our way through tonight's uh, set you up fully on the way to the opening siren at 7.50. We're going to touch base in both camps um, the uh, the head of football at the Cats is going to join us shortly. Simon Lloyd and Justin Lepich, one of the uh, the Magpies senior assistant coaches, going to join us as well. Tomorrow's car is available today. A selected range of Hyundai Tucson's, including the powerful, fuel-efficient diesel all-wheel drive models are in stock, ready to drive away. Tech driver Tucson to see why tomorrow wants its car back. Let's dig into last night a little and take you back to the closing stages with Matt Hill. Right, we're not going to the audio package of Richmond versus Carlton draw. Um, so what, what did we think? What I thought was when uh, that ball was being bounced by the freshest legs on the park. Lockie O'Brien. Lockie O'Brien. I thought to myself, the game's over. Um, and I think, I think Michael Voss would have thought the game's over. And I'm not sure. I haven't seen the vision of uh, whether or not he could have kicked it, but Evanley... Um, he could have kicked it a little bit earlier. McKay might have been able to take a mark. But really good defence by Richmond to cover that position. But uh, let's have a listen to the final stages. A minute left. Hopper sends it long. Richmond need a mark. Lynch! He's got it! He's got it! It's going to be a draw. Lynch has taken the mark. First match of the year. Oh, haven't we missed it? This is to draw it up. 25 seconds left. Lynch to tie the match. He's done it. Chera gets the kick forward. Mark dropped by Akers. 55 out. Hand pass to O'Brien. Met by Daniel Rioli, who tied him up. It's a draw. It's a draw to start the season. You can go back through a draw looking for everything. Yep. But it is... When Kerno kicked the goal, there was eight minutes and 38 seconds to go in the game. 
And Carlton, between then and when Lynch kicked the goal with 17 seconds left, had one disposal in the front half, mm. which was the O'Brien kick. kick. They were they defended the whole time, and there was there was a whole sequence of errors and then make amends. Error, make amends as Richmond just monopolised the ball and and field position like you'd rarely ever see. So the O'Brien kicker and the hand pass from Akers to O'Brien right at the end, two forward half possessions in the last half of the quarter, protecting a seven-point lead. Yeah, I thought they probably put the handbrake on too early, Jono, but in some ways they had to because their skill error and their decision-making coming out of the back line, particularly one of the kickouts um, where Saad, you know, he butchered it badly, just mentally, just some of their uh, critical thinking was... Was right off, and there was and one, so, one name in all of that too, McGovern, and he did some he did some good things in that, in that page. moment. Exactly in a right, Mark. <laughs> yes. Then out on the full, then he drops over, the loses the ball to Miller, handball intercepted, which in goes everything. the other way, tackles Taranto to save a score. Like he's all over <laughs> the page. Good and the bad. Yes, exactly, and and then in the end, you look at um, well when when Bolton hit the. When, when Shy Bolton hit the belly of the ball, yeah. all the traditionalists of the drop punt for a set yeah. shot, they, they, they were like, how, how good is this? Because they can uh, have a voice. But then after that, you know, Richmond getting it back in, repeat entry after repeat, finally get the goal. And the O'Brien run, when you have a look at the O'Brien run closely, he looks backwards a couple of times because he's worried about, obviously, Rioli to start, who's, who's chasing him. And then he look, looks down three or four times. He never raises his vision at any stage to, to look forward. And so the yes, fourth bounce got away from exactly. him. Exactly. So he, he, he only needed to bounce the ball twice. He bounced yep. it every three steps. Just let me ask you that on then, because you two guys played midfield, and, Jared, you would have bounced the ball a lot. Were you one that looked at the ball when you bounced? Because the great bouncers don't have to look at it. They know it's coming you've got back. To have, you've got to have a glimpse down, I think. But I was one who sort of put the head down and went like O'Brien. So I've understand that. I've, yeah. had, I've had that feedback many occasions where, you know, you, you just put the rush of blood and you're going because you can see the space and you, you're looking you're at that rather than... You're normally up for the majority of the time as opposed to looking down to see the balls coming back to I you. I think right? you're right, Dwayne. Yeah. But the, the reality is his head was down a lot more often than needed to be because he bounced it, I think, four times. Mm. And you only have to bounce it every 15 metres. He was bouncing it every five. So if you didn't fluff up the last one, though, Jared, is what you're saying. I think he hits Mackay, who's well, completely open. But he, he three actually, on one he, against. Yeah, but he did so. actually produce a pretty good kick. Let's yeah. be honest. It was just Mackay, unfortunately, slips over at the uh, at the crucial stage. Otherwise, he marks that on his on his chest. Mm. But so I, I think overall, he'll, he have he'll look back at Should that. he have just kept running? No, I don't think he could have because that. I think he was at, at his end. Yeah, I think he... Rioli's chase was a good chase. After the fumble. That was a really good chase by Rioli. Kept him really wide. And kept the pressure on by never giving up on it, just threatening him the whole time. And I I don't think it's been given enough credit. Well, Rioli's been playing for two hours. Yeah. Like O'Brien's been on the ground for 15 minutes. He could have kept going. And I think some things Carlton will look at as well, Jared, is you got Mackay and Kurnow. A couple of their chases late out of the back half were non-existent. So that allowed Richmond to continue to to build ball up in a really effective manner because because of just where, whether they're out in their feet, they had a couple of contests themselves, but didn't put that burst in to keep the ball locked in the uh, the Carlton half of the ground. Yeah, there's the a minute 25. pressure numbers tells you all about it. Yes. It? Mark McClure was on with me yesterday, and he spoke about, okay, so they've got the pillars, but they have to – that Mosquito fleet, which we had a glimpse of early last year, yeah. is they have to be there all the time to trap the ball in. So the kick went to Mackay at – a minute 25, and it came straight out. That's and right. Richmond were clean down the field to to set up the mark. I do think 
having defended so grimly and with a they're a bit wonky in the way they defend it for so long. Is McGovern's intuition to kick that ball to Motlop long to see the, the to finally get some territorial reprieve, I think was the right play. And then to get the ball to O'Brien, I totally understand why they would attack at that point because they hadn't had a single look for half a quarter. That's until right. That there moment. is some. The first kick was perfect. I think on reflection, they may discuss whether O'Brien pushes himself to the wing, Motlop holds it, then they chip over. At least they get the ball forward to centre, another mark, and then. They may have had some players to then obviously come and get some shorter chips. And that that's just a discussion I think they definitely will have internally. But and they have to because their to. whole summer was about not losing games yes, that yeah. they were leading into the last minute that's and they it. weren't able to convert it into a victory. Yeah. I think they'll also be discussing forward pressure and you know why it wasn't there when it needed to be. And it's going to be the issue with the Bulldogs. If the Bulldogs get done tomorrow, I mean, I don't think they'll play four tools uh, in the forward line. They, they may at some stage, but uh, if... If they're getting the ball run out of there a lot, well, you know, that's this is it's okay to talk about contested marks and the advantage, but there's only fifteen contested marks on average a game. Well I think it comes down to the way the game is, is played because then if you've got everyone pushing pushing up, yep. then it's not gonna suit the four tall or three tall style of, of play. You want the game to be flowing quickly so that you can hold those players in position one on one, then the opposition can't get back to run it out the way that uh, we saw Richmond able to do it last night. It was pretty slippery, and in the end, slippery cost them. I mean, uh, yep. going to ground, the big fellow. Yep. I know we don't talk about long stops anymore because uh, players don't like getting their uh, their feet sore, but uh, it's it's incredible what slipping can do. I think the other part of the question that, that it'll take weeks to answer, were they two top teams or were they two middling teams? Well, that was the, I, I think at the end of the game, that was the question I was asking myself. Yep. Where are these two sides? And I thought... Don't even try to answer that after round That's one. That's right. Because they've played they better were, round ones than that, though. They were slippery. They were. I couldn't believe the amount of handballs that didn't hit the target from Carlton. Was, given that Greg Williams lives there, I couldn't <laughs> believe it. We're into our Friday night work on AFL Nation, the pregame for Beaumont Tiles. Choose Beaumont's for 20% off floor tiles now. You're listening to AFL Nation for Elders, for Australian agriculture. You're listening to AFL Nation for Elders, for Australian agriculture. Friday night footy on AFL Nation. Jared Waitley, Dwayne Russell, Jared Healy, and Brad Johnson with you at the MCG, where Collingwood and Geelong will do battle to start their seasons. The general manager of footy at Geelong is Simon Lloyd. Simon, great to have you with us on AFL Nation. Thanks, Jared. How are you, gents? I'm well. Uh, I'm almost embarrassed to start with this, but I'm going to anyway. Is Jeremy Cameron here? <laughs> He is here, and uh, I only spoke to him about two minutes ago, so hot off the press, he said, what will be, will be. <laughs> so I don't know what that means. And he, and he asked me, he said, have you got your phone on? And I said, what, on silent? And uh, so he's, um, look, uh, we've got contingencies, we've got plans in place. Look, it's a, it's a wonderful time for Jezza and Indy, and uh, it could come at any moment, so we've got plans if, if need be. So he's had to forfeit his phone, hasn't he, on arrival, so it's got to come through you. It does have to come through me, Jared, and uh, mind you, he's a relaxed man. He's a, you know, I've never seen anyone like it. It was a full car park yesterday at GMHBA, and uh, he's driving around trying to park a trailer. You know, so <laughs> <laughs> he's amazing. So what are the plans? 
let's just say the phone rang in 10 minutes' time. He's in a car and he's gone. Yeah, what, what happens out here? We know what's going to happen at the hospital. That's the one thing we do know. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, look, we've got plans in place, you know, with Indy's mother as well, and, uh, you know, we'll get him to where he needs to be. And, uh, but, but, look, we'll wait and see. Well, I hope we'll... that's not too far away, Simon, because it took two and a half hours to get here. <laughs> <laughs> we've, got a, we've, we've got a chopper waiting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you might, you might have to. How, how's Patrick well, you Dangerfield suggest been? suggesting if he's close by, they can just start him on the bench yeah. and presume he's going to be back for half time. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> how's Patrick Dangerfield been as uh, announced as the, as the new skipper? What have you seen in terms of his, his leadership? Has anything changed with his approach to the playing group? Oh, look, John, he's, he's a great leader. He, he always has been. Uh, I think canvassing a lot of opinions through the club uh, they just talked about you know when the game's on the line Patty says jump on my back and I'll, I'll lead the way and what I've just seen is um, Patty really likes to share the load and uh, so so really him and Tom Stewart are going everywhere together but what was the, the big thing was as soon as they were appointed as leaders there were, there were probably about 11 to 12 players that got them both in a room and said this isn't just you two it's all of us and uh, this is our, our club and our team so th so we've got a lot of leaders so we're blessed in that space you've seen a great evolution of this footy club simon you must be obviously uh, proud not just of the grand final but the fact that you're stuck together so thickly through a lot of uh, criticism and a lot of disappointment getting so close so often yeah, it's a, it's a great point. You know, this time last year, we'd just come off an 83-point loss and the year prior, lost a grand final. And uh, you, do, uh, you do start to search, search yourself a little bit during those times. But throughout that, I, I can even remember after the 83-point loss to Melbourne in the preliminary final, um, two days later, uh, Scotty and I went for a walk along the Swan River and um, just popped into somewhere and had a couple of gins and uh, then got on the bus to fly back to back to Melbourne and drive down to Geelong and we were already thinking about where, where do we go next and how do we improve and, and that's, that's a great thing about the club. It's, it's always, even where we stand right now, how do we get better? Was there a moment for you, Simon, and the coaching group in particular where you thought, yep, Tom Hawkins is going to be right to go for round one? Yeah, probably about oh, four or five weeks ago. I could see he was doing some really heavy blocks of running but he hadn't started to twist and turn so... It was, it was how he was going to pull up once he started to have all that mechanical movement. Um, but he, he's been training and training well for, for a good four weeks. So anybody that comes, comes down to watch training, you'd see that he's available and ready to play. But we still think with, with Hawk, it'll be a thing that he just builds up over a period of time where he does get better. But we'll no doubt have to look after him at certain points. But, you know, he's in a great space. Have you got a plan for, and this is, I guess, a testament to how good this young kid is, but if Nick Dacos is off the chain and he's uh, racked up 25 or 20-odd possessions at half-time, do you activate O'Connor or do you just take it midfield v midfield? Yeah, we, we often go through uh, the latter part of the week, we go through all these what-if scenarios, and uh, that was one of the scenarios, so I won't divulge where we're going with it, but often we'll, we'll have an all-of-team approach on, on different players, but... Oh, it's not just not Dacos, but there's Dagoey and yep. uh, there's a number of players that they've got some high-end talent. And I think we played them in the early stages, uh, the early part of last year. And, you know, they were six or seven goals in front and we really had to, uh, to rally and, uh, this, um, and, and find a way. And obviously we all know what happened in that final and how close it was. But they're an incredible team and it's going to be a great contest tonight. A couple of new players in the lineup tonight, Simon. We, we expect them to have a, an impact, and they certainly have in their first preseason at the Cats. But one that's not is, is Jack Bowes. His, his preseason game against the Hawks was, was excellent. His first half in particular. What's happening with Jack? 
Yeah, look, Jack's got a huge amount of time and space with, with ball in hand. He, um, everything does seem to slow down and he's, he's such a good user and he's quite surprising. He's a really, you know, he's, he's quite a tall midfielder and uh, he's big bodied and uh, so, so Jack at the moment had a, had a minor, minor calf complaint uh, a little while back but he's, he's back full training and he'll play a half tomorrow in, the, in, our, uh, in our VFL practice match against Collingwood and so he'll, he should be available for selection this time next week. And the other one I'm really interested in as well is the recovery of Sam Simpson, Lloydie. This, this has taken some some time, but it, it's good to see him back out on the park and, and looking healthy. Yeah, look, Sam's in a great space, and you know, we, we obviously consulted a lot of experts over a period of time. And uh, you know, Sam, Sam's, um, you know, he's a real optimist, and uh, he's such a. People forget, you know, through 2020, and you know, obviously playing in a grand final. I remember being on, you know, talking down to the bench and to the coaches and they did not want to take Sam Simpson off because of how valuable he was as a high forward and his ability to get himself out of trouble and he just uses it really well. So, you know, so he'll be, he'll be running around and, uh, and, and hopefully he'll figure strongly throughout the season. Mitch Duncan uh, has been a star for you for a long, long time. How far away is he? Yeah, so uh, Mitch, Mitch went away, obviously went off to South Australia um, this, was this time last week and yep. was away for oh, six days or something like that and was just, just really to freshen him up a little bit and he's been doing a lot of running, a lot of kicking and probably similar to this time last year. We're, we're probably being a little bit more conservative with Mitch and uh, just giving him the time he needs, but he's in a good place at the moment. So I, I'd, I'd expect him to be available in the coming weeks. What is it tonight then, Simon, that, uh, where, where you really need to exploit this Collingwood footy club? Oh, look, I think for, for us, um, obviously, we've got a certain style that we do play, but um, defensively, we really need to be on, you know, because you know, we, we know that they like to really run and gun. And, uh, and, and really, we, we need to prey on their turnovers. And, and we can actually, that's, that's where we're a very good team ourselves, where we can create those turnovers and, and get them the other way. So... But it's going to be very, very tight in the contest, which we saw in that final. And, um, you know, there'll be bodies hitting in. And we saw that last night. It goes up 10 degrees. And um, so we'll find that tonight. But they're a talented team. But I mean, we even felt that first final last year, we, we allowed them the first half to play their way. And we, we sort of got it back on our terms in the second half. So there's going to be a lot of that tonight where they'll have it on their terms and we'll have it on our terms. So there'll be a lot of momentum shifts. But... You know, for us, we, we know exactly if we do a certain couple of things tonight, we know that that'll help us win the game. And if we don't do them, we'll lose it. Simple what, as that. What's your sub strategy? Um, do you think most teams will play a midfielder? Is that the way it's going to pan out? And do you think most teams will, if you don't have an injury, wait until three-quarter time? Or will some jump earlier? And will some play at all? Yeah, it's hard to know what, what certain teams will do. And um, it, it, sometimes it's horses for courses as well, depending on who you're playing and, and, and how they line up. But, you know, we'll, we'll have a mid tonight as a sub and won't declare it just yet. But, um, but you saw last night the subs came on and you can see, see that bit of run as well, particularly, you know, first game of the season. So it, it will help. And uh, so, so for us, it'll be something... Everyone will be sort of trying different things in the early part of the season and no doubt it'll settle. So it's not Segler, then. It must be Simpson, because uh, Parfitt's normally more forward, and you wouldn't sub a debutante like White, would you? Would you have a debutante sub? You're, 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 you're thinking about it. It's, uh, yeah, you almost got me there. Right. Almost stepped into it. 
<laughs> there is a special aspect towards uh, tonight, Simon, with Joel Selwood uh, marching to the ground with, I imagine, a, a large band of the faithful and, and then being driven around. So uh, it belongs to last year, but it feels like a, a lovely element to be able to start the new year with. Oh, it is, it is. It's, uh, I, I text Joel today and asked him how he was feeling and uh, he said he didn't know quite what to do with himself today um, and he was a little bit nervous because it's all out of his control. He's actually not on the ground influencing the game but so special for, you know, um, Joel and Steve Hocking are obviously marching to the G from Federation Square with the flag and and then the lap of honour as well. It's going to be very special for, for, for all, all football. We've all got our own memories of Joel, and uh, he's a very, very special person. Are we likely to see Holmes in the middle? Uh, you'll see Max on the wing and in the middle at okay. different points of time. But, you know, Max is... Uh, it's great to see you. Know, Max, Max has obviously uh, came to us a couple of years ago yep. with a strong athletics background, has a lot of power, and but you can really see Max the, the huge amount of growth in Max Holmes mm. in the coming years, and the same with... Jack Bowes and Ollie Henry and Tanner Bruin. That's that's where the excitement's coming for us. What have you seen throughout the summer in terms of DeConning and Close and Atkins and, and Stengel? They had great years last year, but what have you seen, Lloydie, that says to you, yeah, they're going to either replicate that or take themselves to another level? I, I think they've all had a taste of it, but also there's a couple of players that have experienced you know, what it was like to, to be on the end of the losses over the last couple of years as well, so they just know how special that is. And... Um, I suppose just talking about Sam DeCarney, oh, I can remember after the uh, Collingwood win last year and he, he still wasn't happy. You know, he was just uh, like around his own game and his influence on the game. And So you've got somebody that looks very laconic in nature but is a high, high competitor. And you know, you, when you come across those type of people, they, 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 they do great things. Simon, appreciate your time and good luck for tonight and the journey ahead. Yeah, thanks, Jared. Thanks, guys. Simon Lloyd is the GM of footy at Geelong. Jono's neighbour. He's not far away. <laughs> I do see Simon a little bit in Paco Street, do I know? Path will be the sub, won't he? I would have thought Path. So successfully yeah, in the you think so? Not yet. I okay. reckon they'll give Simpson a couple to, to find his feet before bringing him in. I think Lloydy sort of teased that a little bit with yeah. Simpson, didn't he, in terms of just get going again, get into the season, stay healthy and... And then we'll bring you in. He's what about Collingwood then? coming in late, Puff? So it's not going to be Segler. What about well, Collingwood have got Frampton, Markov, Carmichael and McGuinness. So is it Reef McGuinness? What do you think with Collingwood? Oh, I imagine think it so. would be. Yeah. It would be interesting that's the right to see the first, time that ta- the first team that takes a chance with it and does something outside well, of it. Well, Brisbane kind of did with Darcy Fort last year and it didn't work. Yeah. But if you're Carlton lot last night and you've got four midfielders on your bench, then maybe you would go with a... A Ruckman, which they could have done last night with Pitonet as your sub, if you've already got four midfielders on your bench. As opposed to Richmond last night, they had Miller on their bench, so they already had a tall. Yep. Yeah, I, I love the way you're thinking about it, and I hope we see a few teams have a play with it across the weekend. I, conservatism usually wins out in footy for a while. But I reckon it's... Uh, I'd be surprised if we see that creativity. I, I hope I'm wrong, but running power is such an important factor in the game right now, and when I saw Lockie O'Brien running along the wing, I also thought to myself he should have played. But I think it's off the back of who the youngsters you're playing early on. So you've got these first-year players that are playing in the early rounds. Maybe they do need that because the clubs know they won't be able to run out four quarters. If we can get good three, uh, good three quarters out of these guys, bring on that fresh legs. I think Carlton's approach was, was spot on with their thinking. Maybe not the way that they executed in your mind, but I think their way of thinking was right. 
We'll head inside the Collingwood camp shortly and, and test a theory or two with Justin Lepich. This is the AFL Nation pre-game show for Beaumont Tiles. Choose Beaumont's for 20% off floor tiles now. You're listening to AFL Nation for Elders, for Australian agriculture. You're listening to AFL Nation for Elders, for Australian agriculture. Oh, I really wanted to say this live, but Nadine won't let me say it. Um, no, I think we're... Uh, no, I'm just going to say it. <laughs> Oh, Lee, Lee Matthews is the save it bleeds so we can kill it. I thought it might be a bit early to say that, but um, Chris might get a laugh at that. Well, I laugh at everything he says. Even when he's trying to be serious, he's still funny. That's just the way he is. His players must love it. But to put a slightly serious note on it, I think that, that comment was made about an Essendon team that might have been at the time kind of, you know, the best team of its era and how are you ever going to beat those guys? I don't think we're quite there. It's a lovely bit of byplay coming in as it, it owes to the players who were coached by Lee Matthews and they, they, have, a, they have a Lee Matthews quote for every occasion inside of McRae. I heard you during the week pumping up Ted Lasso. Now, yep. I watched the first episode last night before the footy and that reminded me of Ted Lasso yep. versus Nate in terms of their press conference. If you haven't seen it yet, it's brilliant. So you've got the West Ham, the seriousness, Ted Lasso, Craig McRae's Ted Lasso, I think, in terms of his love of the, the group. I don't think Chris Scott's as intense as Nate, but there's a little bit about that at the moment with the two of them. Yeah, he's got such a, a lovely way about him. Is there a Lee Matthews disciple in how many teams? Because Geelong's got lap, and there's four actually senior coaches that are, that are teammates that are coaching against each other that mm. are old. Well, uh, Lepper's another one. Lepper's another one, yeah. So there's, there's almost one at... Half the clubs. It's so good. Now, it is good. I mean, you know him better than anyone, Jared, because you've worked with him for so long. Yep. And he is one of those guys that the on-air conversations are great, but the conversations in the lift and the high car are probably just as good. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't change too much, though, does he? But uh, he's, um, he's pretty proud of his boys. Yeah. He talks to them a lot. And he's, they love him, yeah. don't they? Like he kept father. it simple, though. It was just basic football. And it was simple and it was easy for the players to execute and understand. Our Friday night coverage on AFL Nation for Elders for Australian Agriculture. I tell you, the player who's lived the highs and the lows of footy today is so Peter Wright yeah. announces his four-year extension. So he's, he's won them over at Essendon. He's everything that they thought they were buying and more. And then he dislocates his shoulder. He's not going to be there for a pretty important stepping-off point on Sunday. It doesn't sound bad, does it? But it could be surgery. And that's if it is surgery, it's half his season gone if not more. Mm. So it's a, it's a nervous time for Brad Scott, which, uh, you know, he's hoping to get off to a good start. He's, uh, he's got a new job, big club. They're looking for stability. And all of a sudden, if the dislocation is a bad one and it needs reconstruction, well, you know, he's, he's have to suffer a really big blow. A lot of the talk around St Kilda and their injuries, and now it's starting to creep into to Essendon. No stringer to start. You've got now Peter Wright going down. It just, it just halts anything that uh, they'll probably looking to do in the early part of the season because their structure with Peter Wright is, is enormous. It's based around that with yep. their ball movement to get it down in his, his vicinity and his movement was excellent last year. That's he gone now. for who uh, changes clubs, gets an opportunity. Mm. Now he's going to get more opportunity, he will. much more responsibility.
So that's a real challenge for him. And the other injury late in the week that really did cause ructions is Stephen May's absence for Melbourne. Um, in exactly the matchup where yep. he looked like the central figure. Yep. Well, I saw his game against Richmond, um, and he, oh, geez, he was good. He's a top. He's a top liner, isn't he? He has been for yep. a long, long time. And uh, it's you know a one week calf muscle is possible. Um, whether it's likely is uh, debatable, I reckon. And the other two that just didn't get up were Jack Viney and, and Bailey Fritz, who they would have absolutely loved to have in their in their round one team, especially Viney. You know how much I I uh, love, him, uh, yeah. love love the way he goes about his footy, the way that he actually can change a game and change the dynamic of of the way the ball is um, is won in the middle of the ground. And I think he, he would have been extremely valuable against the Bulldogs. We're having a chat about who's Melbourne's most uh, who's Melbourne's most important player on Wednesday night when Jono joined us on Sports Day, mm. and he's. Uh, he uh, strongly advocated for Todd Viney and uh, not Todd, Jack, Jack, Jack Viney. Uh, I thought May because I think May's replacement is uh, a lot lower calibre than um, the replacements Melbourne have got for Viney. That's not any knock on Viney, who's, uh, who's just been a tremendous player. But I think Stephen May is the best fullback at the moment. Is it the sort of injury that flips the expectation of a match? Not for you, because you put your tips in Tuesday, don't you, or yeah. Wednesday, so you can't change yours. In. But yeah. I think they're both tip-changing outs. Peter Wright, mm. if you tipped Essendon, you might tip against Essendon now. That's a tip-changing out, and I think May is probably a... Although, Harrison Petty's become a pretty good defender yep. too, hasn't he? Well, he is. They brought Tomlinson in as the replacement, so mm. Petty may go to the full-back position. Mm. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, it's a, it's a really... Great opportunity for Tomlinson, who lost his spot in the grand final year to an injury. Then he lost his spot last year simply because Harrison Petty was the preferred option. So mm. it's a big opportunity for him. I was surprised he stayed. I, I thought the writing was on the wall and maybe he was shopped around and maybe there were no takers. I don't know. But he now gets an opportunity and he's rolled the dice. He, uh, he's more likely to play in a premiership staying with Melbourne than he is most other places. So who knows? It could be the big opening for him. And does that mean we see Grundy, Ruck, Moore and Gorn behind the ball more playing that kick-behind play? I think they showed that anyway in their practice game against yeah. Richmond that Gorn would do that, go go back and support defence. And when they actually did win it back off Gorn, Grundy was the outlet kick on the, on the wing. So structurally that is um, going to be very difficult to stop because Max Gorn just reads it so well. But what it does then, their midfielders, Petrarca, Oliver Harms and the like, and the wingman Hunter and Langdon, once they see Max going for the ball in the air, they're gone already. So they're spread from, from that. Once they get Max handball received, they're gone and absolutely out and, uh, and moving the ball quickly. Scary that you reeled off all those fantastic names, lots of them A-graders and A-plus graders, and yet they've got four out and they're all good players, the yeah. ones that are out. How big, how big a game for the Dogs is it's it? It's huge. And we're going to see something different. Something that we've never seen from a, a Western Bulldogs team as, as long as I've been supporting them, <laughs> Jared. So this is, this is tools galore. It, it's, it's just going to be, it's going to be something that we, we all keep a very close, close eye on because I think, it, I think it could work. And it can work at Marvel because we know that the, uh, what conditions they're going to roll into in, at, at that venue. The outside venues, well, we wait and see how the effect will Mars is less likely, do you think, with the wind and rain? Possibly, yeah, depending on on what day they get. I think that's a bit of a horse for courses. But this could change. This could be the little thing that changes the dynamic for the dogs to set them apart from the competition. Or it could go the other way and they change their structure within three weeks because it just hasn't worked. One thing I'm looking forward to is all the talk has been about Gorn and Grundy, which it should be. They were unbelievable in the practice game, kicked six goals between them. 
I reckon it was nearly the best go- practice game I've ever seen a bloke play, Max Gorn. He was that far uh, best on ground. But yeah. was up there, but geez, he was good. But Tim English, that's the battle. He may, he's chasing their crown as the best ruckman in the competition. I think he, I actually honestly believe that Tim English could be the number one ruck in the comp by the by the end of the by the end of the year. By the end of this year. By the end of the year. Yeah, it's a good marker if it happens. Tomorrow record on that. We can yeah, we can use that we'll at use some that. stage. Tomorrow's year car is available today. A selected range of Hyundai Tucson's, including the powerful, fuel-efficient diesel all-wheel drive models, are in stock. Ready to drive away. Tech driver Tucson to see why tomorrow wants its car back. The pregame show for Beaumont Tiles. Choose Beaumont's for 20% off. Floor tiles now. You're listening to AFL Nation for Elders. For Australian agriculture. You're listening to AFL Nation for Elders, for Australian agriculture. So much to look forward to this Friday night at the MCG. The skies are blue, the lights are on, and the crowd is stretched into the back rows already, which suggests 90,000 will be here when Geelong and Collingwood's renew acquaintance. We're down on the boundary here inside the Collingwood camp with senior assistant coach Justin Lepich. Lepich, great to have you on AFL Nation. Oh, it's good to be back, Jared, again. You're looking forward to it after all the work of the off-season to actually let them rip? Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, the, the pre-season time is... Um, oh, it's different every year. Last year, I guess we had a lot of education and a new game plan to learn. This is very different. It was more... You know, got four, I guess, three starting tonight uh, changes to our uh, regular lineup. So we, we almost had to do a bit of re-education and how are those gonna, guys going to blend in to, um, to get similar results. So give us an insight into what does change in year two as to where the focus is, and it's obviously more high-end than the, the rudimentary teaching of year one. Yeah, it's a good call. I mean, we would uh, literally code up and, and vision every training session in year one because um, they're brand-new concepts, and now the players know the concepts and have done them at a, a relatively high level for a, a season. It's more reminders and, and, and managing the process more than anything, and as I said before, making sure that Tom is aware of his role in it, Dan McStay, Bobby Hill, um, and making them um, up to speed in, in their parts in the roles. Leper, how will we? Uh, how do we judge Tom Mitchell's uh, performance tonight? Will it be the same role that he uh, had with Hawthorne? You've just told me that he hasn't, so I guess that's self-evident. But uh, do, we, do we judge him on possessions and uh, creativity, or is he going to be judged some other way by you guys? Well, we struggled in clearance last year. I think we we're 18th or 17th, I'm yeah. one of the two anyway. So that's that's why he's here. Um, we'll move the ball a little bit more forward. So that he might get less possession of the sideways, backwards sort of stuff that he might have got in the past. But we still expect his clearance work to be high. I mean, I think you saw in the last game we played against the Hawks, he, I think he still had 30 possessions playing yeah. the way we wanted to play as well. So it's good. I think with every game he'll be more relaxed in in how we go. We, we aren't a high-possession team. So, um, and look, as again, you, you go to any new club, we still want his strengths. That, that's the inside ball-winning uh, part yeah. of his game, and that's why he's here. Lepper, you, you, you're a lover of the game. You, you watch everything. You would have watched last night. You would have seen both teams slipping over a lot here at the MCG. Is that something you discuss with the playing group at all, only because you would have had some players that would have, wouldn't have watched much of the footy last night just because they, they don't do that in the lead-up to their own performance? 
Yeah, it's discussed with the players, and we know the surface has um, been a bit of a topic. Um, and look, it isn't as perfect as it always is this time of year because there's been traffic on it. So we, we know that it is probably a little shorter than it, it usually is. So yeah, um, players are, are conscious of it. Um, they always have two pairs of boots on them. They always choose the comfort side of things first, you know, as you know. Um, they're more worried about blisters uh, this time of the year. But yeah, if, if it does start to tear up a little, they're going to have to change. Are you going to play Cox? On the ball, uh, sorry, uh, on the ground, along with uh, the other ruckman, or are you going to rotate him through the bench? Uh, the, the plan is to use him 50-50 tonight, um, and, and, the, and the beauty about using them 50-50, we can do things, like usually with the rucks, you'll hold them out of forward 50 stoppages yep. and um, give them some con um, you know, con conservation of their resting, but now that we've got 50-50, we can use them to do all work, go into the forward 50, yep. go into the defensive 50, and... And they can, um, I guess, do the full parts of the ground. Last night we saw a lot of flooding. It was uh, incredible. It was 18 v 18 in the back half and uh, 18 v 18 in the, in the reverse. Are we expecting to see the flood come back and everybody then tries to have the charge of the light brigade when they get a turnover? Well, you probably would have had a better view from me, but obviously from the TV you see snippets of what the game looked like. It looked very one-on-one, -on -one, and if you did get through, that, eventually it was either a repeat entry or you, you got through and had a, a one real crack at it. And if you didn't, as you said, Jared, it just sort of got planted at the other end. So the ball did still move fast, but the scoring didn't change. So but I always think this time of the year we're guessing, and yep. um, you know it's always chaotic and um, manic, and there's a lot of mistakes this time of the year, and there's a lot of nerves, and, and there's more errors than what there is through the middle parts of the season. So I expect to be no different tonight. Let me take you back a couple of years. You're coming off 17th and you have the year that you did. And you may have seen glimpses last preseason where you go, OK, we might make some ground, but didn't expect to make the ground that you did. But what have you seen now this preseason where you go, OK, we've had 12 months with this group and we've got a tougher draw, but how can you see the improvement coming where you can actually sustain performance against these better teams? Oh, um, yeah, I guess last season we, were, we went into the season hoping a little bit. Um, we didn't know where we'd end up. We, we, as I said, learning a game style that went from a slower-paced game style to a quicker. Um, you know, we're, we're actually getting around about 15 to 20 metres per minute more per player. So that, I know that's not a metric people don't use too often, but that's quite a lot when you play a fast-paced style. So you, you, it's easy to come in and want a game style, but the players have to be prepped for it and, and, and have the run ready for it. And we, I think this year we're better equipped in that part of it. Um, Hopefully, we're, and people talk about the close losses, but there's a lot of games where we just didn't finish our work either, where we could have won by 20, 30 points and let the opposition in. So we, I think there's actually some growth in finishing off games uh, a little bit better this year for us as well. The dynamic of, of Darcy Moore as captain, Lepper, what's, uh, what, what are the early signs it looks like on a competition level that he grew into it nicely when the captains mm. all came together at headquarters? <laughs> Oh, he's a born leader. Um, he's a great modern-day leader. Some of the best captains I've seen and been involved with, like Trent and Pendles, um, they're very considered. Um, they, they get along with the whole club, not, not just a handful of people. He, he ticks all the boxes that a, a good leader does, and, and not only that, he's obviously a highly competitive player and a uh, really important one for us. So um, it's, I always find it's a challenge when you're leading from the back. Um, I think with the midfield sometimes, like if you think Joel Selwood, he can put himself on the ball and turn the game. I guess Darcy doesn't have that... That, that part in his arsenal to do, but um, he's still our best option, uh, no doubt. He's different, though. He's out there wearing the Beats by Dre, whereas everyone else has, <laughs> doesn't have headset on. Uh, is he doing that? He's, don't they all do it nowadays? It's a very different world we live in now, but um, yeah, back in my day, you couldn't do stuff like that. Who's more important, Lepper, a uh, match-winning centre-half back or a match-winning centre-half forward? Uh, well, I, I 
I don't think the, the, the position of centre-half back exists anymore. Yeah. You, you tend to have two keys playing in a forward 50 or defensive 50, and the guys at half-back are more runners now. They're, they're, they're such a different type of athlete. Um, but I, I still think a guy that can take a mark at, at important times, like Tom Lynch did last night. Mm. I don't know if I lost you. Sorry. And that's the difference in games. Yep, that's fine, Leppich. Good on you. Uh, good luck for tonight and for all that comes next. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. Justin Leppich, the senior assistant coach at Collingwood. He's, uh, yeah, he's, he's good to talk to, Lepper, isn't he? He's very uh, informed and uh, he's uh, got a, a good phrase, uh, turn of phrase about him, and uh, he lets you know things, which is good. A couple of good things to come out of that were the fact they got their players with to play more meterage. I think it was, was, yeah, that was, was really interesting in, in terms of their thinking as, as players who love to go forward anyway. So it wouldn't have been a very hard sell to, to get the players to uh, to run forward. And I suppose the other thing we look at closely now with, with Collingwood is is how they actually have set Nick Dacos up after the uh, the tag in in the preseason. And and just, 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 I suppose, in terms of his mental approach now and his setup as a, as a player, because he was left to his own devices in that game and didn't work through it that well. So what have they done now since that to, um, to give him the opportunity to perform at his very best? And they changed their rule as well about wearing a 35, which is nice, isn't it? They had a tradition where they mm. give 35 to the highest draftee kid, but he wanted to wear his dad's old jumper, so they've let him stay in it, which is a nice thing to change. I suppose if you're that good, you're going to change yes. for him, aren't you? <laughs> One perfect. of the important uh, aspects, uh, <laughs> you would have all seen this when he sent around his uh, champion data review for uh, all of us here at Fox Footy. And the, and the big change for Collingwood last year was simply the fact that uh, they went forward so much more than they did the previous year. I think they went from something like 17th to 2nd. I'm trying to get it up here as we speak. Um, and Geelong were of similar lines. And you just wonder whether or not at the end of this year, whether everybody... I mean, somebody's always going to be 18th and somebody's always going to be 1st. But as a quantum compared to their previous years, whether or not everybody now is going to go forward. It certainly looked at last night. It does rather stand out when a team's not going forward. It does. So just looking back at some of the preseason games today and watching West Coast's yep. early stages against Adelaide, and you go, I hope they're not going to play like that this year. Well, I think they're trying to go forward, but they're, but they're historically and uh, intuitively, they go sideways. One of the interesting things I've uh, come up with this week, um, at least I found that interesting, is <laughs> Fremantle go go. Uh, from back half to front half, or D50 to forward 50, the sixth best in the competition. We can see that. We know that. They control the ball, and yet they're the slowest moving side. And that, to me, is going to be interesting to see whether slow-mo Frio become more fast, <laughs> because it's the game is going quicker, and yet, from my observation in pre-season, not much had changed. There it is, the first one of the year, slow-mo Frio. We've finally got one out of you, Jared. Very nice. Jared Healy and Brad Johnson, our experts tonight on AFL Nation. This is the pregame show for Beaumont Tiles. Choose Beaumont's for 20% off floor tiles now. You're listening to AFL Nation for Elders for Australian agriculture. You're listening to AFL Nation for Elders for Australian agriculture.
We're in the countdown to Geelong and Collingwood. It's a 7.50 start, so 35 minutes away from the opening siren. AFL Nation is for Elders for Australian Agriculture. This is a home game for Geelong. They've just been remembering John Devine, a player and a coach down at the club. And Dwayne Russell, um, you played under him for a few years. A proper hot gospeler. He was. He was fire and brimstone, and uh, he would uh, be the orator who got you fired up right at the start of the game, and you ran out there, and you had steam coming out of your ears, and you couldn't wait to... He could just about get you to run through a brick wall and eat raw meat. Blighty was the complete opposite. When Blighty came, he was the, the game style... We're doing this. This is our plan. Little tricks of the trade. Um, but that was back in, when John was coach. It was the day where instinct was football. And you would have instincts that you would just you would know to go to the space side. You don't have to get told when you had the ball at a halfback. Go to where the space is. If the space is inside, go inside. If it's outside or where your runner is. So there was a lot of instinct back in those days where you didn't have to tell players how to play. But that was the captain. Well, Mick Turner was my captain at the time. He would say when we got out on the field, Okay, well, the wind's blowing this way, so we're kicking to this dead pocket when we're kicking against it. Uh, we're going to waste time. We are going to, you know, when we're kicking against the breeze, chip it around, keep it to ourselves, waste as much. So little game plan things like that were more just instinct, whereas when Blighty came, there was some crazy new stuff that we thought, okay, well, <laughs> a, a plan to get a clearance out of the middle? We're going to have a, a hit-two guy and protection people. So, yeah, it was good to play under both. It's interesting the way the game has evolved to allow plans, and the, I think the greatest improvement is, has been kicking. I mean, the 30-metre kick, you can say, you can guarantee that, you know, 85% will hit the target. When I first started playing, I mean, the, the kick from full-back in the back pocket was just a blast. No one actually looked up and kicked to, to tried to hit you on the chest. It was just a, let's get it out of here. That's not my problem. It was, uh, it was the player up the field's responsibility or right. fault if they weren't there. Yeah. And there was often, well, left footers you knew, but you just expected a guy to be able to handball with both hands proficiently, expecting you to hit you with a 35-metre pass with both feet proficiently. And um, now there seems to be a propensity to, you have to know. You have to know that this guy hasn't got a left or this guy um, is on his preferred side. So there's a lot of different intricacies that, as you say, when it was simpler, it just seemed to be um, the good players were better because they had better instinct. Like, if you ask Gary Ablett to teach kids how he played, he probably couldn't tell them because it, he just did it. That's just the way he was. He just knew what he was doing, and it was hard to put it into words. I was having a chat to Dermot last night. I'm not sure if he expanded with you, but uh, he, was, he was concerned about forward craft. And uh, he's been watching young kids play, and it's, he, he thinks it's been lost to because coaches are directing players to go to various spots. And, and that's the beauty of Tom Hawkins and Jeremy Cameron to just pick out two. They're, they're still instinctive footballers, uh, which is, is great to watch. I mean, dads I'd don't teach as much. Of the, the dads, you would have learned a lot from your dad. I learned a lot from my dad. Dads taught all that stuff that you kind of needed to know back in those days rather than your coach teaching you. It's a good point. Certainly true with that. And I live for the pump up by the coach. <laughs> I lived for it. I couldn't run out unless yeah. one of the coaches had uh, delivered that final speech to, to do that. I know it's different yeah, today, so but it, it, was, it was something that just needed to happen. So Nathan Buckley told the story during the week. There was one year when they were coming good for the first time and Mick Malthouse was on a war theme. And every week he couldn't wait to get to the pre-match to hear what the next yes. installation of the war Rodney story was, was going to be. Rodney was very similar right. to that. Like he would tell a lot of stories around war and history and relate it back. 
Joel Selwood's just been driven out onto the MCG. So when last we saw him here, he had the, the storybook finish, which so few in international sport gets. Since then, he's retired and become a father, and he's been driven round in, in an open ute to get the, the full adulation of the Cats faithful in particular. Um, Gosh, there was uh, such emotion Wasn't in it? that grand final and all that's gone afterwards. He's mic'd up a... as well, so he's uh, chatting to the faithful. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Has there been a bigger, better fairy tale retirement no. final? Maybe Crawf? Crawf did Shane the, uh... Crawford. They're that's what I'm talking very about. Very few get that kind of send-off that they deserve, and Joel deserves the send-off that he got to go out as the absolute champion, even though he kind of held it back from everybody else because he didn't really know if he was going to retire. I was lucky enough on grand final day when Collingwood played. I had the, the lap after retiring, and it wasn't great, let me tell you that, with the Collingwood faithful. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it would be interesting to watch when he goes past their cheer squad, actually, what, uh, what reception Joel gets. There's a lot of talk this week about the type of reception the Collingwood fans would give him, but you just got to stand up for this man because of uh, what he's produced throughout his career, but also the way he's finished and, uh, and his standing in the game is at the very top. He's getting your... a great reception from both sets of fans yep, at the moment. as he should. Who was your favourite hot gospeler, Jared? Oh, well, well Brass was pretty hot gospely, but uh, I wasn't a huge fan of the hot gospel, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> you I, didn't I, enjoy I... giving me possessions and I shut up? Was yeah. that Brass to you? <laughs> yeah, that was a Brass. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, at least that had some sort of sense of, uh, okay, I can understand that. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, Tommy was... Tommy was, you know, I want you to get out there and be your most tigerish tiger. Um, but it was, you know, it was part of footy back then from your under 14 days uh, to, to the end. But you were a self-prepper. Not everyone's a self-prepper. Not everyone has themselves tuned finitely to be ready to go at the bounce. Some need to be prepped for. I did for. It. yeah. That was part of my preparation was that final thing. I used to, Bob Murphy used to say, set him a light to me every game, right? And when he didn't, I'd have to follow him around the change rooms till he, till he actually said it. And he'd play games with me in the, in the end. So that was just the way that I needed to, to finalise those, those preparations. Do you have a, a sequence of Rocket that lives with you? Oh, it was. It changed every week, to be honest with you, Jared. But it was that flow of. It was just story, and he did read a lot of those war stories, similar to Mick Moldhouse and 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 the like. That would would use those then to to motivate you, turn them into the way that we were going to play and the structure behind it. Never, never, obviously, you know, comparing to to war at all, but just using the analogy to to go out and defeat your opposition and the structure to be able to do that. Joel Selwood's just uh, heading round our portion of the grounds. Coming, uh, looping round the punt road ends. And he'll drive past the, the members shortly. He's getting a, a terrific ovation from fans of all persuasions here at the MCG. He's got his cat scarf on and the, the thumbs up to the crowd. He's just about to go past Britt and their newborn son as well, which uh, is exciting for him. Yes, it's been a, such a big time in his life. And... Evidently, he's got some great choices ahead of him. He's taken up with the Melbourne Storm a little bit. And is it real, the cricket yeah, story? Well, uh, cricket Australia, uh, I think they were trying to... Uh, I think they had an inside running for a little while before the Storm sort of swept through and maybe cricket didn't quite get their ducks in a row to finalise things. I, I think there's a natural link there with the coach, Andrew McDonald, and it might have got lost in the administration rather than just sort of delivered again. So I think there is the hope that 
he might be part of their Ashes setup at least for a period of time. Another one that lives in New You in Newtown is he Andrew <laughs> McDonald? He lives in Geelong too, doesn't he? I'm not too sure. I've never seen Andrew. He does. Do you think that uh, they'll take Warner? <laughs> <laughs> we could get totally lost really, in different we conversations could, we? now. So Joel's got a uh, little Joey in his arms, just a, a couple of weeks old. Uh, where are we? A couple of minutes. Um, are we getting close to the Twilight Grand Final, Jared? if you're reading the tea leaves? I hope so, Jared. I think so, and I hope so. I know it's not a popular choice with a lot of people listening, but uh, to me, the more that we can uh, sell this game around the country, the bigger the win it is. And I think uh, Twilight, you get the best of both worlds. It's not that long, not that much of a later start, and it's not that later finish. So uh, you get a little bit of darkness at the end, which uh, enhances the spectacle. I think all all the best uh, all the best uh, events are played under under darkness, with the light show, etc. And you're beginning in the daylight, which I think uh, helps the traditionalists as well. Yeah, the 4:30 start. Can't argue with that either. I think we are. I mean, Jared, you know the movers and shakers. Well, you are one. So what are we getting? Will Gil use this as his mic drop moment? I asked this, yeah, this on think... here. Is this Gil's final <laughs> act? He will. Because he told you that he likes the Twilight slot for its beauty yeah, more than... Best presentation. Best presentation. Game. So if he thinks that now, well, that's obviously going to be the opinion he gives to the commission in a couple of weeks' time, isn't it? Yeah, I think that the chairman is on record as saying that he believes that's the best slot, the time, the, uh, the Twilight slot. So if he got any encouragement at all from his chief executive, uh, I think that's where they would land. I think there's also an undeniable competition between the NRL and the AFL. I mean, you can't deny that. And, you know, when you're chasing TV rights, and that's the big ticket item, they want to see more money come into the game for essentially doing the same thing. And one one of the easiest ways to do it is to stick the game on uh, at night. Now, the easiest one for the TV broadcasters would be... Their preference, I'm sure, would be a 6 o'clock start or a 6.30 start, etc. But... uh, I think the twilight is uh, probably a win-win for everybody. If you're coming to the ground tonight, if you're here already, remember you can listen live via SEN Stadium, play-by-play without delay. It's the advance in technology over the past couple of years, so download the app and follow the links and listen to us live on SEN Stadium. Tomorrow's car is available today, a selected range of Hyundai Tucson's, including the powerful, fuel-efficient diesel all-wheel drive models, are in stock, ready to drive away. Tech driver Tucson to see why tomorrow wants its car back. So Joel's lap is finished and the banners are out. But, uh, where are we? 25 minutes away from the opening siren. Tonight is Geelong and Collingwoods in round one action. The sequence of four matches at the MCG drawing huge crowds. And there's every chance that tonight outdraws the 88,000 of last night. This is the AFL Nation pre-game show for Beaumont Tiles. Choose Beaumonts for 20% off floor tiles now. You're listening to AFL Nation for Elders for Australian agriculture.